My name's Jackie Castle and I'm the editor of the journal Sexually Transmitted Infections. Welcome to our February 2010 podcast and this month we're publishing a special supplement on the Avahan Initiative in southern India and today I'm going to be interviewing Ashok Alexander. Ashok is the director of the India Country Office for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation who are funding the Avahan Initiative. Ashok oversees all the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation programs in India, of which Avahan is the largest and most well-known. I wonder, Ashok, could you start by telling us what the Avahan Initiative is and what it aims to achieve? Well, Avahan is, is a very large-scale prevention program. India has a concentrated HIV epidemic, as you know, and we work in six states, about 80 districts within those states, um, with a population of uh, over 300 million in those states and along the national highways. So what we do is try to scale up a prevention model in in these uh, very uh, vulnerable areas and very vulnerable populations. At the same time, you know, it's our effort to try to generate uh, learnings um, and to get government to uh, and others to catalyze and uh, catalyze others to replicate the model and to disseminate these learnings worldwide. Uh, it's been uh, very, very gratifying to see the transformation of India's national program um, uh, over the course of our work and to feel uh, good that we've at least had some input into that. The national program in India was highly diffused when we started. It's very, very focused. It's, uh, today, it's focused on high-risk groups. It's uh, five times the scale that it was when uh, we started. Um, to my mind, I think it's probably one of the most forward-looking and high-impact HIV programs uh, run by any government in, in the world. Mm -hmm. And how does Avahan differ from other HIV prevention initiatives, both in India and elsewhere? Well, I think you might say that we've tried to employ what's come to be known as a, a business model in, um, in tackling the epidemic. Uh, what we do is uh, the Avahan team consists of people who come, uh, many of them from the world of business without prior experience in public health or HIV. And we married uh, that group of people with people who are very strong technical people from the sector. So the approach to scale, which is really the, the singular factor about Avahan, is uh, employs uh, many classic uh, uh, you know, practices from the world of business. Um, and I think that what we have succeeded in doing is show that uh, HIV prevention indeed can be scaled up very rapidly. Mm -hmm. And what about um, community involvement? I, I understand that that's a large part of the initiative too. Yes, I think uh, involving uh, the communities of sex workers uh, and in injection drug users is a very uh, a major part of Avahan. It's all part of the scale story because when we started our work, we found that um, sex workers actually were not so interested in HIV prevention uh, or even in good health. They had far more serious problems uh, just existing day to day. Uh, so our effort was really, in effect, to create a more informed and aware consumer, one that would demand um, high-quality HIV services. And we did that by mobilizing these communities to work on the issues, if you will, around the epidemic, issues such as uh, uh, safety from, from violence and so on. And uh, that engagement of the community, I think, re led to, uh, in a sense, uh, a demand swell uh, for the program. 
Right, right. Now, Avahan is it's clearly a huge undertaking with a, a large number of activities involving many different partners, some of whom were there well before Avahan. How did you go about getting it off the ground? Well, I think it went through several phases. I mean, the, the first phase really was to create what we call the, the, the platform for service delivery. Um, our effort was to try to pres- uh, be present in about uh, 650 towns in about um, more than 80 districts of India. Uh, and so in each of those towns, we had to recruit sex workers, who, who we call peer workers, the ones who would uh, deliver services on our program. Uh, we recruited about 8,000 uh, men and women, mainly women, um, and uh, then in each town to set up clinics, uh, community centers, uh, outreach services, um, and so on. And as you can imagine, with a program at that scale, you can spend years doing that, but we managed to do all of that within about the first six to eight, uh, you know, within the first uh, couple of years, definitely, of, of the program, and then rapidly rolled out uh, services from that platform. Right. I know India has been in the vanguard of HIV prevention for a long time and have put a a large amount of the um, HIV budget into prevention long back. How did um, what you did relate to the existing existing services and and when you started up and how did that relationship continue? Well, a couple of things. I mean... uh... Firstly, we, we were not funding government, but we were working always under the guidance and the framework of the national program. Um, so we had an agreement with government as to the districts we'd work in so that we'd avoid overlap. We did a, a careful mapping of the vulnerable populations and found coverage levels were actually very low, you know, typically from 10 to 30 percent uh, only in, in most areas. So having done the mapping, we agreed with government that our um, coverage in these uh, geographies, together with the government's coverage, would lead should lead to a saturation um, of uh, with HIV prevention services. So that was one way. But I think that we were influenced by and we were able to influence in turn the national program, um, because as you said, government to, you know, prevention had been there for some years before we started. Um, to our mind, though, at that stage when we started the program, the government program was still very diffused. Uh, for example, it worked with you know, larger general populations rather than focusing on the highest risk groups. Uh, there was no component of work with uh, men who had sex with men, for example. That was entirely missing. So as we got our data and got into the field, we realized the importance of focus in a country as large as India. And we were uh, lucky that the government was willing to listen to us and uh, were in to share, uh, were interested in what we were learning. Uh, I think we, together with others, were able to influence a national program, which is now highly focused on prevention and is at a scale probably five times uh, what it was when we started Abahan. Right. So what, what do you see as the most important achievements and successes of Abahan to date? I think the most important achievements are probably one, demonstrating that you can scale HIV prevention uh, very rapidly, despite all of the seeming odds against it, despite the stigma, despite the fact that these risk groups are, uh, you know, hidden uh, and mobile. 
demonstrating scale up rather than inventing a new package of prevention services was our, I think our first effort. The second I mentioned a little a few moments ago, I talked about being able to engage the communities themselves, mobilize the communities, not only to deliver services, but to systematically evaluate to govern their own programs. But I think the most, perhaps the most fundamental achievement was uh, that we were able to push data use down to the uh, grassroots level. Uh, data use, as you know, is critically important uh, part of the scale story. So getting quality data collected, used locally for decisions, and reported upwards uh, helped us tremendously with scale up. Um, that data use also enabled us to make flexible changes in programming as we went along. Uh, for example, one of the findings as data started coming in was that many sex workers were getting infected actually in their first year in sex work. Uh, and while we were typically catching the sex workers, and they'd been in sex work for at least four, four or five years. So we had to modify our program so that it focused on those very new entrants into the sex trade. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's obviously um, a, a sort of a view from from the sort of the top as it were how have um how have other partners seen the achievements of Avahan, particularly perhaps the more local partners what are they saying about Avahan and what it's achieved i i think that our partners uh and we are, we are very careful to point out that this is uh we are just part of a larger partnership together with the world bank UNAIDS, uscid and many others there are states in which we work side by side, like Tamil Nadu and Maharashtra. Uh, we share our learnings with each other and so on. So it is a true partnership. Uh, I, I must say that these partners have been um, generous, uh, very, very generous to Abahan in, in, in the ways in which they've expressed their appreciation. And it's been, uh, it's been a great story and continues to be that way. Well, that's that, that's very interesting to hear. Now, I'd just like to hear a bit now about um, what the barriers were that Avahan faced, and particularly, are there any things that you might do differently if you were um, starting again now? Well, we faced uh, several barriers, and there were several learnings from that. Um, firstly, you know, the, the baseline for our program, and, that, and this is described in one of the papers in the supplement, was delayed by by several months, in fact, the rest part of a year. Um, it's a dilemma because to get an effective baseline, you have to win the trust and actually start to work with affected communities to be able to then be able to you know, sample and test and find out what the biological and behavioral uh, markers are. So it's, it's a real interesting thing that we had to then work backwards from that baseline to reconstruct what condom usage, for example, would have been when we started. Uh, the learning from all of that is uh, that it's it's difficult. If you're doing a large-scale d- delivery program, you have to think about how to create a rapid baseline, but nor can you create a baseline effectively without having started the program. So it's a chicken and egg problem. Uh, another barrier that we faced is uh, a challenge we faced was that we were very careful and conscious throughout that we needed to align our programs with those of government. So, for example, we couldn't have a program uh, that was uh, far more expensive than the government's program because eventually we are a, in a transition mode now. We're trying to give our program back to government in the second phase of our work. So how do you achieve good quality uh, with a government cost structure was a, was a second learning for us uh, that, that we went, uh, went into. 
Um, I think India, we also found a, a third challenge is that there was soon an abundance of data. In fact, I would say we are awash in data at this time, at this stage in the program, five years into it. We started data-free, generated such copious amounts of data that actually the challenge right now is how do you analyze all of that and utilize it uh, very quickly. It's yes, a good I think many of us will be familiar. Yeah. And then finally, I'd say the challenge of in strengthening communities to have a full seat at the table. Uh, you know, I, I, I used to be, a, uh, you know, I used to play professional chess at one time. And it's a bit like a chess game, and you have to see the end game very clearly, even as you play out your opening. And for us, the end game for us was a transition and a handover of uh, the program back to communities, strong enough to uh, run prevention services on their own, and back to government. This meant that the communities themselves have to be strengthened to have a full seat at the table uh, with other stakeholders. And being a stigmatized group, that is also that also was challenging. Um, but we found a way forward there. So you've really taken me on to my next question, question, which is where are things going to go next in terms of, say, sustainability and rollout and relationship to um, public sector funding over the next few years? Yes, so, you know, we have a, a memorandum of understanding with the government of India, with the National AIDS Control Organization, that the government will take over Abahan's programs district by district over the next five years. So the plan is roughly this. This past year, we transitioned 10% of our districts to government. And in 2011, there'll be another 30%, and then there'll be another 70% to follow that. So it's in three tranches. And so there's a very clear understanding that government will take over the programs, not only funding-wise, but that they will try to sustain some of the best practices that uh, Abahan has learned by doing this kind of work. Um, it's interesting that this transition process was something we started about two and a half years before the first 10% was handed over. In other words, government came to us and said, look, some of our, our systems and processes are not actually strong enough to absorb this kind of uh, prevention technology, if you will. So we made a grant to actually start strengthening government systems uh, prior to the handover, and that's roughly how it's working. Right. So um, just finally, um, do you think that this approach can be used elsewhere, either elsewhere in India and perhaps also in other other, other places? What do you think the lessons are for, take, for rolling Avahan out? Well, I actually think, I think, I think that's a very exciting possibility because... At the end of the day, we what we did was not rocket science. It was not inventing anything new. It was taking the known package of HIV prevention, but scaling it up using what are rather universal principles derived from the world of business and, uh, and with uh, good technical backup. I, we do believe those principles are universal, so I think they would extend not only to HIV prevention, but the rollout of HIV services. They could be treatment services uh, in completely different geographies or contexts. Uh, but I'd go b even beyond that. I think the very exciting possibility is that these principles of delivery, scale delivery, can be applied into broad areas of public health. And that's precisely how we're thinking of our non-HIV programs in India. Can you give some um, examples of those? 
Well, for the, at the moment, for example, we are entering into a partnership with the state of Bihar. Um, and we have an understanding, we have a MOU which has almost been finalized, that we will have a partnership whereby the government will back our work in, say, eight districts of the state, and that seamlessly the government machinery would start rolling out the lessons we learned uh, from those eight districts. The focus in those districts is uh, on maternal and child health, but that extends uh, to reproductive health, nutrition, and tackling of uh, tuberculosis, uh, leishmaniasis, and uh, diarrhea and pneumonia. So Bihar, unfortunately, has the full basket of uh, deadly health conditions. So we're trying to see whether we can scale those things up. Can we mobilize communities the same way that we did with sex workers? Can we uh, create a platform for service delivery the same way that we did in Avahan, and so on? Some people have talked about future um, programs perhaps sort of pushing harder to do some kind of randomized evaluation. Is that something you think that people transferring this elsewhere might think about? What do you feel about that? It, it's an aspect that has to be very carefully considered. There, I don't think there's any uh, universal answer to that. We did not do randomized um, uh, RCT in our, with Abahan for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that there's so much migration within the system with sex workers that um, it's difficult to you know, have a, a kind of static control um, geography. Um, it's, it's also a fact that many evaluations work side by side. So uh, you know, precise attribution becomes a problem. But I'd also say there was, a, as I might put it, a kind of ethical consideration because when you take on a, a huge state larger than many countries, and we were working in six states. If you left out a portion of the program from intervention as a control unit, we thought that that aspect troubled us. Uh, so I think there's no universal answer. It depends on the scale and other considerations. Okay. Well, thanks very much. I've, um, I think we've covered um, many of the aspects. I'm sure, our read, uh, I'm sure our listeners will want to go to the website and see this really very comprehensive and interesting collection of papers that um, that we have and um, I urge I urge people to do so it's a very interesting read thank you very much Ashok for finding the time to, to talk to us and um, we look forward to hearing more about Avahan in the future thank you Jackie, pleasure talking to you thank you